Well, if you're watching us online, which probably most of you are today because we just have a very few people here today, I hope that you will sign in, let us know you're here. We always like to know that we're not alone here, just those of us that are here. And I hope you all have had great holidays. And I always like to remind people that Christmas is not over. The 25th is just the first day of Christmas. We have 12. And uh, growing up in a Methodist preacher's home, we were never allowed to take down the tree or stop celebrating until January 6th, which is Epiphany. So you might want to make a note. If you haven't taken your tree down, you're, you're in fine Christian form. <laughs> so here we are. It's the last Sunday of the year. And it's a time when many of us traditionally look back on the year that's just ended and we think ahead to the year that is coming. So I thought it might be a good time today to take a look at this wonderful scripture from the Apostle Paul where he's talking about that very thing. It's Philippians 3, 13 to 14. And it goes like this. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. One thing, I forget about the things behind me, and I reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue, the one goal, is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Now, Paul loves athletic metaphors. Uh, as you read through all of his letters, you'll see lots of those. And this particular one is one he really loves, which is called uh, the metaphor of the race. He's talking about our Christian walk being very much like running a race. And he's asking the Philippians to be running the same race that he's running toward the finish line of God's eternal kingdom. So I want to break this scripture down today and think, how does this beautiful verse about the Christian race apply to us, and especially at the end of the year and looking forward to a new year. Well, first of all, we see that Paul invites the, the church of Philippi and us to let go of the things behind us. That is our past, not just this last year, but our entire past. Maybe this is a good time to reevaluate. Have I let go of my past? How much is my past dragging me down? You think about a runner in the metaphor of the race, how much trouble would a runner be in if they just constantly were looking behind them instead of focusing ahead. Another great image I love is the image of baggage. You know, we often say that people carry a lot of baggage from their past. I found this wonderful quote, oh, what we could be if we stopped carrying around the remains of who we were. Isn't that good? I'm gonna read it one more time because I think it's so beautiful. Oh, what we could be if we stopped carrying around the remains of what we were. You know, whether that's success, failure, whatever it is, if we're carrying around remains of the past, we're not living fully today. Jesus calls us to surrender all that past baggage. That includes our failures, our grief, our poor self-concepts, our mistakes, our dysfunctional families, our regrets, our missed opportunities, our shame, our pain, everything, our sins. Psalm 103.12 tells us, as far as the east is from the west, and that's a forever distance. You, the east never meets the west. So far does God remove our sins from us. And he will do that with all our past sins, with all our past failures, regrets, mistakes, all that. So this is a wonderful time of year to remind ourselves if there's anything we're carrying around, let's let go of it. Let's surrender it and hand it over to God. Amen? 
So before we let go of it completely, let's take a look back at this year, 2020. What a year, huh? <laughs> I don't think we'll hear anybody talking about, oh, I wish it was still 2020. <laughs> I think we're all ready on New Year's Eve to say goodbye to that. Not that life is looking real great for the first part of 2021 either with COVID, but at least we have the hope now with that vaccine and all that's coming out. But let's reframe our look back at 2020 a little bit using uh, Paul's perspective to help us let go a little bit. Uh, a few years ago, I read an article that was called How to End the Year with Clarity and Start the New Year with Intention. Isn't that good? End the last year with clarity, start the new year with intention. And it listed some questions that you could ask yourself. And I pulled out my trusty old journal because I'm a journaler. And I meditated, I journaled out answers uh, to those questions. I found that process to be really helpful. So I thought I'd do my own little version of that this morning. And if you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, um, of course, you can always rewind and watch this later on YouTube or our um, church website. But um, if you're the type that likes to take notes, you might want to grab a little pad and pencil. Or if you're a millennial, grab your phone. <laughs> and uh, some of these questions are adapted from the John Wesley class meeting format for small groups. You know, John Wesley was the founder of Methodism. And uh, his foundation for all of his um, small groups was to get together and ask, how is it with your soul? And uh, we do that here. We have some soul groups. In fact, I'm going to be starting up a new soul group in January. If anybody's interested, let me know. Uh, where we ask ourselves that question every week, how is it with your soul? But we also ask little specific questions. And these are some of the questions that we ask in those groups, but I've adapted them for the year instead of just the week. Because, like, for instance, the first question, when did I feel closest to God? In the soul group, we would say, this week, when was the time I felt closest to God? But for the year, let's look back on 2020. When did you feel closest to God? I would bet that for some of you, it was probably in some times of fear or maybe uh, losing someone to COVID or having a scare that you might have, have COVID and you know just not being able to visit people. There's lots of times that even though they were very painful, and I don't want to minimize the pain at all, but sometimes pain can bring us close to God. So where did you feel closest to God this year in 2020? I, I invite you to meditate on that. And my second question is, where did I see God working in my life? Where did I see God working in my life in 2020? I can think of so many examples. In fact, I, I feel like God has probably worked more in my life in 2020 than any year in recent memory. And the third question this is another one that um, I think we've all struggled. Where did I struggle in 2020? But more importantly, what did I learn from those struggles? You know, I don't think we just go through these difficult times um, as humans and not learn from them. Or if we do, we're missing out because there's always a lesson in the midst of pain. So what did you learn from your struggles in 2020? And a fourth question from the Wesley small groups is, at what moment have I felt I was responding to God's call to be his disciple? You know, it's so funny. I'm just going to go on a tangent here, which is always dangerous because I usually stick to my manuscript. <laughs> but this morning I had to take an Uber into church. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I need to read over my sermon. I hope I get a quiet Uber driver. <laughs> but I did not. <laughs> I got a very sweet young woman who had just moved here from another state going through a breakup. She's a single mother. Uh, she told me she has no furniture at all. They're sleeping on a blow-up mattress. 
And uh, I just listened to her, and I thought, okay, this may be more important than my sermon anyway, just talking to this, this sweet lady. And I gave her lots of tips, like I've actually picked up furniture at my apartments from just uh, taking my trash out. I see people put stuff out by the dumpster, like if they're moving and couldn't get rid of it. So I said, drive around to the apartments in, in your neighborhood around the end of the month and see. But I also told her, you know, I may have some people at our church that are getting rid of some furniture that might want to donate it. So if you're listening out there and you want to donate some money to my sweet Uber driver, she also told me she and her son wanted to be baptized. And she had started off the, uh, the drive by turning off her music because she was afraid she would offend me because it was so vulgar. So the, the ride started off with me thinking, okay, this lady's obviously not a church person. <laughs> but then it turned on me. Just, you know, I listened to her. So that may be the most important thing I did today, so I could probably just throw this sermon away. But anyway, I just kind of wanted to go off on that, that tangent. Because I think sometimes that's what happens to us. God calls us to be disciples in the midst of our stuff. And sometimes we just have to look up from our phones or we have to pay attention to those people God sends to us. So think about that. Where in 2020 did you respond to that call to be a disciple? And the fifth question, when was my faith tested through failure as a disciple in the last year? As an example, if I had just continued to say, oh, sorry, I'm going to read through my sermon one more time uh, with that Uber driver this morning, (laughs) I would have missed God's call to be a disciple. So we have to really be aware of that. And we also have to confess it, I think. And that's what's so beautiful about these small groups where we can look back over our week and confess where we might have missed out on something. So at what moment have, um, were you tested? Was your faith tested as a disciple of doing what Jesus was calling you to do? And six, this is an important one, especially for Sabbath time, for Sundays. Did you let God restore your soul? We need those Sabbaths. We need those times of relaxing. And I hope those of you that are watching at home or drinking your hot co- coffee or your cocoa or uh, your eggnog and uh, you're all comfortable and relaxed and uh, you're letting God just restore your soul today. Um, you know, we are told in Psalm 23 that we're to lie down in green pastures and uh, God will refresh us. So I hope, hope we do that too. So that after we talk about our failure, then we talk about where have we let God pick us up and restore us. The seventh question is what most sustained and renewed me on my faith journey? You know, for myself, I think it's church. You know, if I miss a Sunday of church, and I'm not saying this to be preachy and say that you should never miss church, but um, I can tell that week I'm just a little heavier. I'm just a little less God-centered than I am on the Sundays where where I'm at church. Of course, I hardly ever miss church, but (laughs) it happens occasionally. Okay, so what most sustained and renewed me on my faith journey in 2020? And here's a beautiful one, question number eight. How did I most often express my love for God? How do you express your love for God? Hopefully you're doing it in prayer and in your life and other ways, but um, we need to take a look at that. We need to examine ourselves sometimes. And then also, importantly, how did I most often experience God's love for me? Sometimes I experience God's love just listening to this wonderful band we have back here um, and hearing Dee Dee's messages. And, you know, you can also watch all of our church services on YouTube uh, if you want even a little extra reinforcement during the week. Um, so how do we most often express our love for God? I think it's through worship a lot of times. But also, how do we most often experience God's love for us, which I also think can be through worship, through music, through messages. And the last question I'm going to pose from the Wesley questions is, how did I do with my spiritual disciplines in 2020? And the spiritual disciplines 
are things like daily prayer, Bible study, worship attendance, Christian study, reading Christian books and devotionals. You know, if you do, don't do anything else, maybe just read a devotional every day. Um, and action. Some people experience God and um, their most important spiritual disciplines come with volunteering, doing things like uh, our food ministry. Um, so think about those things, those disciplines that you might want to adapt or adopt in 2021 um, to um, be on your Christian walk. You know, like Paul is talking about the race. I think as Christians, we also need to train for the race we're in. And I know it sounds like I'm probably advertising because I'm in charge of small groups. But if you're not in a small group, really, that is so important. I really recommend that you get in one. So I hope as you reflect on these nine questions, you can see some ways that God was present for you and working in your life in 2020. Even in the horrible COVID atmosphere, the contentious election, all the things that we've struggled with in 2020, we can also see God working. And I think it's important to recognize these before we go on to the next step, which is Paul's second thing he talks about in this verse. Reach out for the things ahead of us. And, uh, you know, we've left those things behind. So we're now talking about our future. As we think about the future, you know, somebody said once that depression is when you're stuck in the past and anxiety is when you're stuck in the future. So we don't want to be stuck in either of those places. We want to live in the now because that's where happiness is. That's where we encounter God. But we also want to reach out for those things, to be forward-focusing. Uh, Paul tells us our race needs to be forward-looking. We keep our eyes on the road ahead once we've stopped looking behind. So let's look forward a little bit to 2021. And I'm going to go through some of those questions again. But first, um, I always enjoyed making New Year's re resolutions. I maybe got it from my dad. He would always be very serious about his New Year's resolutions every day. But, you know, if you're, if you're not one of those people that likes to do that, um, think about coming up with a word for the year that you'll focus your 2021 around. A lot of people love doing a word for the year. And, you know, I did it at the beginning of 2020. I was thinking about two things that I felt like I was kind of lacking in my life. One of them was joy. I felt like I needed a little more joy because, you know, I work with funerals and death. <laughs> Boy, did, little did I know I was picking that word for the year that we were going to have. But it helped me. It really helped me because you can still look for joy in those times of sorrow and pain. Uh, and my second one was dream. I kind of was thinking, you know, I used to dream a lot when I was younger, have goals for my life, but now I'm kind of just, you know, in the last 40 years of my life, if I live to be 100, <laughs> you know, I started thinking, have I stopped dreaming? So I kind of in incorporated dreaming into my life again. And the amazing thing is even with COVID, these two words just kind of uplifted me all year. I kept thinking things like, oh my, I'm feeling so much joy right now, or you know, I'm dreaming about something. And maybe that was just because I chose those as my word for the year, words for the year. So for 2021, I'm doing the same thing because it works so well. And I've decided I'm going to focus on the word delight. Isn't that a good word? Um, I'm using the scripture from Psalm 37.4, which is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I just love that. I even got a journal that has that on the front of it for my... Uh, 2021 journal. Uh, so how about you? If you were going to choose a word for 2021, what would it be? What's something that's lacking in your life that you'd like more of? Maybe don't make New Year's resolutions if that's too much, but come up with a word. I, I really highly invite that. And if you do, would you let me know? I'd kind of like to know what 
people's words are. And also let me know if more than five people are listening to this sermon. <laughs> okay. So, uh, also think about doing a scripture for the year. Like my scripture I picked is in, in alignment with my word. So think about that. Okay, now I'm going to go back to those nine questions that we, we asked earlier and going to kind of refocus them into the future. So the first one was, uh, when did you feel closest to God? So think about that time you felt closest to God, and how can you feel more of that in 2021? Uh, think back to where you saw God working in your life last year, and how can you take that forward with you? The third one, how can you take into the future what you learned from your struggles in 2020? The fourth one, how can you respond to God's call to be a disciple this year? Maybe you want to do something that would uh, be a little bit more reaching out to others or, like I said earlier, finding a small group, reading some Christian literature. Things to deepen your faith because, you know, as Methodists, we don't believe we just get baptized and then get lazy. We believe we're always improving, always growing in our Christian walk, growing deeper, closer to God. And think about how you can respond to be a disciple this year. And what did you learn about your failure as a disciple in 2020 that you can change in 2021? Like maybe being more present with your family or, or uh, more aware of the God things around us. I always tell people one of my greatest fears is that I'm going to go through a day and miss some God sign. You know, some people call them God winks. And when they happen, they're just powerful. I know probably everybody here has had at least one in their lives where it was just so obvious God was sending you a message either through another person, through something that happened. Um, so that's always one of my greatest fears, is I'm going to miss one of those God signs. So um, maybe that would be our resolution. I think I'm already working towards mine, <laughs> not to miss those God signs. And then if you did not take care of yourself this last year, if you worked too hard, if you uh, were too driven, if you were so concentrated on achievement and doing that you forgot to be, you know, just sit with God, just, you know, 20 minutes sitting with God, even if you don't think you're feeling anything, just, you know, clearing your mind out, doing some contemplative prayer, and letting God speak to you. And sometimes, you know, our conscious mind is like the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we do most of our interactions up in the tip of the iceberg, and when we can just sit alone with God, just for 20 minutes, um, we can feel God working through us. It's almost like he, uh, God reprograms our computers. <laughs> and so, I think that's one of my goals in 2021 is to do more contemplative prayer. Uh, so if you did not lie down in green pastures and let God restore your soul last year, how can you find ways to do that in this new year that's coming? Or if you were pretty good about that, how can you even be more intentional to continue to rest and let God restore your soul when needed? And back to our nine questions. Number seven, how can the things that most sustained and renewed you in your faith journey during 2020 continue on with you into the future? And number eight, how can you express your love for God and experience God's love for you in the new year? And lastly, I think you're getting the gist here. <laughs> if you wrote down the first nine, you can obviously see how to take them into the future. Do you need to start or continue in 2021 your spiritual disciplines, such as daily prayer, Bible study, worship attendance, Christian study, and action? As we head into the unknown future, Let's remember that God holds the future. In fact, the very concept of time makes no sense to God. We live in Kronos time, but God is in Kairos time. Um, you know, I read a blog called Living, in a Kairos, uh, Living a Kairos Life in a Kronos wor World, and I thought it really applied to this. 
Um, it said, the Greek language has a couple of words that mean time. The first is most familiar, chronos. It means the chronology of days governed by the carefully calculated Earth's sweep around the sun. God himself ordained this measurement of days on the fourth day of creation. We all know and live in chronos time. But another word for time is also used in the New Testament, kairos. This speaks to more specific God-ordained times throughout history, sometimes called the right time or the appointed season. Kairos is God's dimension, one not marked by the past, the present, or the future. When Jesus came, it was a fulfillment of promises past, a cosmic collision of the sacred and secular. It was an intersection of the holy will of God and the stubborn ways of man. It was a perfect moment. John the Baptist said in Mark 1.15, time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So as we think about how we're finishing celebrating Christmas and that wonderful Kairos moment, I know some of you probably were following the astrology uh, last week of the um, Jupiter and Saturn, what they call it, conjunction. And they say that that may have been what the, uh, the uh, astrologers saw at the time of Jesus' birth. And a lot of people are talking about the age of Aquarius starting on December 21st, which is an age of freedom and knowledge. And uh, I'm not saying I'm a, an astrologer or an astronomist or any of that, but you know, you have to wonder, is this God's Kairos time that we're moving into in 2021? So we're gonna focus on the race ahead like Paul and trust our future to God. But our third thing Paul talks about, and probably the, the most important, is he talks about pursuing the goal of living for Christ now. So in our daily life, we've let go of the past, we're trusting the future to God, but what about now? Paul says, the goal I pursue, in the present that is, is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, that you've heard me talk about earlier today because I'm a big John Wesley fan, that's why I'm a Methodist, um, he called that end of the race that Paul refers to perfect holiness. Um, and, you know, many people have misunderstood what Wesley meant by that, but he was quoting directly from Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 5.48, he told us, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, Wesley called this sanctifying grace, and it's one of the most distinctive things about the Methodist faith. But Wesley did not mean that we could be completely sinless in this life. He believed we could be perfect in love. And that's what I think Paul is talking about. Wesley believed if Jesus invited us to perfect love, it had to be possible. But it sounds like our lover's lane motto, right? Loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. So can we do that? Can we really love perfectly? Maybe not all the time, but maybe we can have some times in our lives that we feel like we've loved someone perfectly. United Methodist pastors are even asked this question as one of Wesley's historic questions for ordination. We're asked, are you going on to perfection? <laughs> and the race is not just for pastors. It's for, it's for everyone, all Christians. Another way to look at the skull of perfect love is to take a look at the famous love scripture that was also written by Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. It teaches us how to focus on that goal of perfect love in our lives. And I'm just going to read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. How many times do you find yourself being impatient or unkind? Okay, you've just blown your two first things about love. <laughs> love isn't jealous. 
It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. Love isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. That's always looking back at the past too, right? Um, Love isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. Love is what keeps a marriage strong even when a spouse gets Alzheimer's or a debilitating disease because love endures all things, and that's what we're called to do. I've often printed out this little verse and used it in small groups and classes, but in place of the word love, I leave a blank and I ask people to put their own first name in there. And just to be fair, I do that too. (laughs) I remind myself of this all the time. I have it on a bulletin board in my office. Dawn is patient. Dawn is kind. Dawn isn't jealous. Dawn doesn't brag. Now, I'm not saying that I always get it right. And just like Paul starts off this verse, you know, he says, I have not yet achieved this, but this is my goal. That's the point I hope you all get from this, is we have one goal, just like Paul, to concentrate on our finish line and to to try to live in perfect love as we're called to do. Um, I challenge you, try it in 2021. Along with getting your word and answering your questions, (laughs) or maybe you only do this one. This is the most important one. Uh, Let's concentrate on running towards that finish line of perfect love. In 2021, let our present lives be living in love and gratitude to our God who walks behind us, before us, and is with us always. Let us live our lives so that, like Paul, We can also one day say, as he did in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen.